The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Discover a positive path for spiritual living. Welcome to Voices of Unity with Rev. Jackie Fernandez. Hello, this is Rev. Jackie, and we are starting a new month today here at Voices of Unity. August was a month all about healing. And, you know, I have to say, maybe we aren't going to make a huge shift in conversation because I still want to bring us around the topic of healing, to bring us together in that conversation, but we're going to expand it a little more and talk about what it is to put our feet literally on the ground in the midst of people who are in deep need of healing and are experiencing what we are all going through, but in a very real way uh, with diagnosis of COVID-19. And my special guest today is Jennifer. We know her as Birdie Shockster. Welcome to Voices of Unity, Birdie. Thank you, Reverend Jackie. Thank you for having me here today. Oh, thank you so much. I know that you, you posted we are Facebook friends. We're friends in real life. And you made a post and just kind of, I had so many questions. And I think that's literally what I put in the comments. I have questions. And so from that came this invitation for you to come onto the show and, and answer my questions. You are serving as a prayer chaplain, a hospital prayer chaplain. And you made a, a post about what it's like to be in the COVID tent. And I was like, wait, what? The COVID tent? Is this a real tent? What's happening here? So we're going to talk about that today. I think it, it's a conversation that will be uh, illuminating to what's happening um, really at ground zero in this pandemic. And first, I want to take a, a bit to introduce you to my listeners who may not be familiar with you. You are from Unity of San Antonio. You're the communications director there. Yes. And, and how's it going at San Antonio? It's going, um, it's, it's going well, you know, uh, we're, uh, we've done a lot of changes to the way we do the service and, uh, had to really kind of step up to the plate with the technology and, yeah. uh, it's going really, really well. Yeah. Everybody's yeah, doing okay. So they're safe. Good. I'm so glad to hear that. I know it's been a big shift for for everyone doing the work of ministry, and so I'm sure that's no different for Unity of San Antonio. So Bertie currently serves as chaplain at Connolly Memorial Medical Center in Floresville, Texas, which is just outside of San Antonio, I presume. Yes, we're about 40 minutes south of San Antonio. Okay. Um, and so, and as we said, serving at Unity of San Antonio prior to this, Bertie served as the Youth and Family Ministry Director at Unity Church of San Angelo for 10 years, and she served as Social Media Director at Unity of Born. Is Born, is that how you say it? It's actually, Kennedy. I currently serve there as Social Media Director and a, yeah, Bernie. Yeah, I, I help them out a few okay. hours a month. Okay. Awesome. And has served, you know, I've noticed, uh, let me just side note, the state of Texas is probably the state that I've had to ask people, how do you pronounce the name of this city <laughs> more than any other state? <laughs> and this is, uh, coming from someone who grew up in the state of Washington, where we have some, you know, Issaquah, you know, we have lots of, of funny names too, but 
Um, so, uh, and also you served at Unity Spiritual Center Corpus Christi in communication. So you've, you've been around several Unity ministries over the years. I sure have. I sure have. I consider myself very uh, blessed to uh, have been able to serve in so many communities. Yeah, that's amazing. And, of course, you uh, are a great speaker. You speak, speak at your home church periodically, and um, as well as other Unity Ministries. And you're a registered nurse, which I think just, you know, gives you so a hospital per chaplain, a, a Unity Truth student, and an RN is just giving you a, probably a really unique perspective, having served in many settings, including hospitals, home health, and psychiatric care for over 20 years. And we can't uh, we can't finish your introduction without mentioning your son Ryan, who studies mechanical engineering at UTSA, and you are living, of course, in Floresville, Texas, with your husband Frank and a plethora of pets. Indeed. <laughs> so welcome, welcome, welcome. So, so let's just you know let's dive in with this COVID tent thing because you know that was what sparked like my desire to have you on the show is like what is happening. What is a COVID tent, and is that a real thing? Is that just like sort of the jargon for those who are on the ground? And you're like, well, and so you explain. Tell me how you explained it. Well, it, it is actually the jargon for those who are on the ground, and I don't know if they call it the tent in every hospital, but that's what the terminology we use because it actually does look kind of like a tent. It is actually the technical word is an isolation area. So what we've done at the hospital, not me personally, but the wonderful people who work in maintenance have put up <clears throat> its canvas. It's like a canvas material, but it's protected with plastic. And so we've put that up about midway through one hallway and that separates that part of the hospital that is dedicated to uh, patients with COVID-19 as a measure for infection control. And there's a whole routine to going into the isolation area or the tent. First, the clinician that's going to go in there, by clinician I mean the doctor or the nurse or the respiratory therapist or whoever was going in there or the even uh, housekeeping or whoever, uh, has to get up in uh, PPE which, and they have to have a PPE buddy in my hospital. I don't know if all hospitals do that, just to make sure you've got everything on, your hairnet, the shoe covers. Uh, the so Someone who uh, just like checks you over, right? And make sure that you're wearing everything. Yeah, and tape up the back really, really good. We, uh, we want, want to make sure there's no wardrobe malfunctions, uh, you know, so yeah, they make sure yeah. you're, uh, you're, all set to go in there. And so there's an antechamber. It, it looks like, like the front of the tent. Um, and you unzip this, you step in, you unzip the door, you step in, you zip the door back up. And so then you walk through this very short little area and you unzip another door and step out and zip it back up. And that's for infection control. Wow. So, so that's, that's hence the term tent, right? Because you're going in, in one zipped door, we'll call it, into the space and then a second zipped opening. 
right and, and, and i also think it's okay. called tent because we have tents around the hospital you don't go directly into the er at my hospital triage is done in a tent outdoors so we can determine where you need to go in the hospital well that's what i was imagining when you said tent i was like is it that like the inside of the hospital is so overflowing with patients that there's now a tent outside but that's but what you're saying is there is there is for the triage like there is this outdoor space or tent yeah anyway. mm -hmm. to make sure uh, it, because if one is presenting with symptoms of COVID of course we would we would do something different with that person than if, you know somebody that's walking in you know with a broken leg there's a different room right. that they would go in in the ER sure and so let's just talk real quick uh, you know so today's September 1st and um, well, let's talk real quick about what the numbers are in Texas, because I know it wasn't too long ago that it was quite a hotbed, if you will, for COVID. And has have the numbers come down? Are they still up there? I really focus a lot on local numbers because that's what mostly is relevant to me. So I focus on Floresville and I focus on San Antonio. And in those areas, we are slow, oh, so slowly. <laughs> Uh, coming down a little bit, um, you know, but the kids are still on school online and, uh, you know, they have it color coded in San Antonio as to uh, their recommendation to the school board and things like that. Now, my understanding about the general numbers in the state of Texas uh, is that they're up there, but not quite as bad as they were before. And like I said, I don't. I I think in a pandemic situation, the most important people to pay attention to are your local health department. Um, yeah. So I pay very very close attention to that, and I I just have to be careful of my media consumption <laughs> because sure. I am in communications and I'm a chaplain yeah. at a hospital. So, um, so in our area, it's it's gradually coming down. We had a very very, very steady diet, high volume all summer long. And in the past few weeks, it's it's like there's just a little bit of room to breathe. Good. I'm really glad to hear that. Okay. So it's not that the patients are being treated outside once, once they've been admitted, it's, but the, the tent is inside and it's a tent because you have to go through two zip openings to have that sort of double protection. And, you know, and I thinking about the idea of having like a PPE buddy, like someone who's double checking, because I'm sure that like, every, you know, every day you're putting all of this um, protective wear on to be easy to overlook something just sort of out of habit. I know when I, you know, I'm used to wearing a mask now, but I know that sometimes I feel like I have it on even when I don't. And so, it's, you know, it's the mind and, you know, and just having to have that um, presence. And I imagine that as you're preparing to go in and pray with people that you have, you have that mindset going on and that's a different kind of preparation that takes place internally. And so, you know, then having to bring your focus to this external, you know, piece of, you know, I'm curious if you have made a ritual of that. Like, I know when I'm getting ready to serve, you know, as like a prayer chaplain role or in some capacities as a minister, you know, I put the stole on or a prayer shawl, and that becomes sort of a ritualized stepping into, you know, this capacity of, of awareness. Is, is that 
happening for you? Oh, absolutely. My first stop when I come into the hospital every morning is the hospital chapel. Um, and I have a little box for prayer requests that uh, I pray over for 30 days. And then after those 30 days, they go off to silent unity. Um, so I deeply appreciate silent unity for holding my people in my facility in their prayers. And I center in the chapel at first, but it's something that happens also throughout the day. Um, I don't actually physically go onto the COVID unit very often. And there's reasons for that, that the, and it varies from facility to facility about what chaplains do. Um, I might minister to someone from the hallway in a rare um, occasion, but after I've gone to what we call uh, rounds, where I kind of find out what's going on with everybody and prioritize whom I'm going to see, I uh, with and so my day is different every time. I might be on the ICU right away, or I might need to go down and do what I do with COVID patients and families to my office and make phone calls. Kind of similar to what our prayer chaplain, now that I think about it, right. yeah. what our prayer chaplains do. Um, right. yeah. And right. I certainly right. center uh, and get prayed up before I pick up that phone. And then I have, they've been really generous to me. I have a beautiful office and sometimes I have to take a break between each call. It can be pretty intense, you know, and I take all the time I need, so. Well, good. And so what, um, I'm trying to formulate my, what I'm getting at my question here with this. So as you are, okay, let me ask you this. Is there a hmm. theme that you're hearing when you're making the prayer calls? in terms of what people are, are asking to like, so you, you might have like this bird's eye view of, of how people are impacted spiritually. Um, are you seeing any, you know, anything like that? I'm a listener. That's the most important thing I think a chaplain does is listen. And it's, I don't want to, it's, it's a little different with ev everybody. You know, I, mean, I think we're all impacted by COVID-19 in one way or the other. Um, and, you know, before COVID-19 and I would, I would go from room to room and say hello to everybody. And, uh, a thing that was fairly common was, oh, chaplain, thanks for stopping by. I don't need a visit from you, but thanks for coming by. That doesn't happen very often right now. Um, so people are in need of an ear. And so I try to provide that, you know, I, when I go in and I talk to the patients, I let them know prayer is an optional experience, um, you know, that mostly I'm there to, to listen. And it's, it's just really different right now. We don't allow as many visitors, even in the regular areas as we used to. COVID patients can't have visitors, but uh, patients on the regular med surge floor can have one visitor where I'm used to walking in the room and people are surrounded by family, you know? So a sense of connectedness is what I try to bring uh, 
to my day and to the people I serve because it's easy enough in, in this time to not feel connected. Yeah, and that's what I was wondering is, you know, if that sort of lack of connection is bringing forward something, you know, in common. But I hear what you're saying, that everyone is impacted in one way or another. And certainly it must be uh, it's such a different experience as patients aren't being surrounded by their loved ones. And I could imagine that that probably increases that desire for connection. So when they get a phone call from you, they're not so quick to, you know, thank you and bless you on your way out, you know, that they're going to sit in that space of connection just a little bit longer. And, and perhaps, you know, they're sitting even with their own questions of life and um, their, their life experience, life choices, and, and sort of, you know, like we all come to when we, when we are taken out of, what is routine for us mm-hmm. and what is known, we sort of begin to evaluate and and, and be in the question of, of the choices that we do make when we have opportunity because that choice is being taken away in these circumstances. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And well, I, I, I have more contact with families now than I, uh, like, before like if somebody has COVID-19 and they're getting a tube to help them breathe, I obviously can't call them. Um, I would sit outside their room and pray about them. And then I'd go get their chart and call their family to see if they'd like some spiritual support too. Oh, wow. That's yeah. beautiful. And, and to be clear, just for anyone who is, why don't you talk to us a little bit about the role of a prayer chaplain in a hospital? So you're not a unity prayer chaplain when you're at the hospital. This is an entirely different um, yeah, really certification, right? That you go through, and and it, you can be certified through. as a chaplain. I've had one unit of what they call CPE, which is a clinical pastoral yeah. education. I got that mm-hmm. through a Baptist hospital system. I did have a uniquely long <laughs> internship there because I had a fall and a broken foot, and so I did my internship in a in a wheelchair. So CPE is is quite a bit more rigorous, I would say, than uh, prayer chaplain training. It has elements yeah. of it. Um, and uh, there's probably more CPE in my future. It's, like, it's very unusual, I would say, for a hospital to take on a chaplain that has only had one unit of CPE. However, this is a small rural hospital. Rural hospitals often are not lucky enough to have a chaplain. Um, and so... Uh, I, I, it's just really a nice, nice situation. I, you know, since I'm kind of uh, new to it, I stay in touch with colleagues that are chaplains up in San Antonio that I went to CPE with, especially my best friend, Shelly, who I hope is listening. Um, and, uh, but that kind of training is uh, for people who, it can be laity, and it can, a lot of people who are in that kind of training are studying to become ministers. Gotcha. Yeah. It's, and, and it is like unusual as you're saying for a, a hospital, because usually you are going through this rigorous training at like where you're working, you know, very long hours and shifts, much like the medical staff are. And you're yes. on call stay, staying in a room at the hospital um, while you're off shift. And so what a blessing. I imagine that the fact that you're an RN probably also helps 
um, helps in the situation of, you know, taking on without having completed that full training. Um, but the role of a hospital chaplain is very much different. And I know different hospitals do it differently. When, when I was in seminary, yeah. we did um, like an internship in, in the hospital chaplaincy. And, um, and in that particular hospital, the prayer chaplains were in the ER right along with all of the medical staff holding that prayer space, not just for the patient, but also for the staff and yeah. were the, the ones who would find, you know, next of kin or, you know, closest relative to, to call and notify either that their loved one is in the hospital or, you know, in the, in the worst case scenario that there's been a death. And so you are very much, you know, if, Part of it is, yes, going around making the rounds like you're describing and being present with people and, and offering prayer and a listening ear. But, but at least in that hospital, it was also sort of that front line in the ER. It was very intense. Yeah, very intense. And, uh, you know, I work pretty – because it is a small hospital and we don't have a huge pastoral care team, we have a spiritual care team that's largely made up of laity, Uh I, I work pretty closely with the nurses. I, I don't usually bring up that I'm a nurse unless it's a logical part of the conversation. But, it, you know, it's a small hospital. Everybody knows I'm a nurse. So that that does help for the most part. Um, but I, I work with them very closely because I go in a couple of days a week. This is a part-time gig. But I'm available by phone the rest of the day's time. And, yeah, the ER, the ER called me yesterday. Um, as a matter of fact, and Unity of San Antonio is incredibly supportive. It, you know, I, we were in the middle of social hour and I said, guys, I got to mute myself. I got a call from the hospital. So I mute myself and I get off the, the phone. I said, y'all, I'm going to sit here and try I'm going to try to figure out because Zoom is new to me. We've gone from one platform to the other. And I said, well, I'm going to try and um, switch this. So one of y'all are the hosts so I can get on the road back to the hospital. And they're like, Bertie don't even do it. We're just, just end the meeting. We'll pray about you and pray about the person that you're about to go see. And I thought that was so amazing. You know, I mean, of course they're, they're wonderful, prayerful people, but they will turn themselves inside out so that I can go when I need to. And they, they do call, they do call not very often, but you just never know when it's going to happen. So yeah, very, very much. Yeah. I, I, I go around to the ER, the OR, all the different areas as part of my day, you know, usually because um, it's a small enough hospital that I can do that. And you're right. There's that element of ministering to the uh, staff, which is often brief, but often uh, profound, you know, because yeah. they do have yeah. a lot on their plate. They um, do. We appreciate the, prayer ch uh, the chapel services that I provide, too. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Wow, that's a lot. And what a beautiful way to serve, especially right now. I think everyone, I know in my city that the hospitals are over capacity and the staff, you know, they're short staffed as well. Because, I mean, frankly, the other piece that doesn't get talked about a lot is that the income that hospitals typically get from um, elective surgeries you know, has been greatly reduced this year. And so they're cutting corners in order to stay open, which means staff reduction. So the people who are there are working long, long hours. 
Absolutely, absolutely. We've got some funding through FEMA. And so we have what the hospital calls FEMA nurses. They don't actually work through FEMA, (laughs) but we do have some extra help from the government to pay for extra nurses to come in. And we definitely needed them. It was hairy before that. Um, And it still is, but it's definitely not as bad as it was before. So. Wow. And so I want to bring it back to the COVID tent area. And so it's not an area that you are entering very often and for obvious reasons, right? They're reducing the amount of exposure that people are having. What, what dictates that you do go in? Is it just that you, there's a certain frequency of which you go ahead and, and make those rounds in person, or is it a certain, you know, specific uh, factor that's happening that has you go in? Well, it's a case by case basis. And like I said, the administration would rather me not go back there. Um, and also it's to conserve PPE uh, is one of the rationales as well. And what a lot of people don't understand about nurses is that spiritual care is part of their practice. You know, so it is within the scope of practice of a registered nurse to pray with you if you're open to that. So a lot of my focus as far as as that area is concerned is being supportive of the staff and their skills and spiritual assessment and their comfort with prayer. Um, so if someone asked me to go back there, I would just take it on a case by case basis and listen to what's going on with them, what's going on with the family, what's going on with the practitioner, with the nurse, you know, does she, you know, is she not one of those that feels comfortable praying and that's fine, you know, and I'm very, very blessed in that there's a lot of people that are very spiritual at my hospital, a lot of practitioners that are, I just am dazzled by them and they won't hesitate if a patient says, please pray with me, they will pray with them, you know? And that's a lovely, lovely thing. Not every registered nurse is real comfortable with that, especially like if you're in a big city hospital, like where I train, they're like, oh, let's go with chaplain, <laughs> you know? Um, but a lot of nurses where I am are, are more than willing to uh, pray with people. So it, it would just be on a, a case-by-case basis, you know? There's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of workarounds right now. Even the Pope, <laughs> the Pope had decided uh, the sacrament of the sick. There's an alternative to that right now. Wow. Uh, that that yeah. means it's time for our break. But let's talk about that right after this break. We'll be back with Bernie Schachter on Voices of Unity. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Voices of Unity with Reverend Jackie Fernandez. And this is Reverend Jackie, and we are back with Bernie Schachter. And she is taking us into the COVID tent at hospital as she serves as a prayer chaplain, hospital prayer chaplain, and also just talking in general what it's like to be of service in this way at this time in pandemic. And as a reminder, the phone lines are on and we, our engineer, will 
will screen those calls for us to be sure you have a question. We know some people love to call in so that they they can listen. So we just want to give a shout out to all of our listeners who have joined us today. And Louie, just let me know if, if we do get a caller that wants in. And so right before the break, Bertie, you were telling us that even the Pope has made accommodations, you know, as we feel like we all have in different ways in the work that we do and the way we connect with people to uh, to really build that safety and create safety in this pandemic time so that we can bring those numbers of infection down. And so tell us more about what the Pope has done. Well, the alternative is something called an apostolic pardon. A priest can give it, um, but if you can't get a hold of a priest, um, uh, you, a chaplain can do it, um, or any Christian that prays on a regular basis. So uh, I, I have the words written down and are at every single nurse's station um, because there's a very dense population of Catholics here. Um, I minister to a lot of Catholics, um, which um, I never imagined myself doing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, this is not the... I was going to get in CPE and get out. It's not, it's not been how it played out. I, I found my tribe. I found my place in the world. Um, but anyway, yeah. So the apostolic pardon is an alternative so that we don't, I, I have a colleague of mine that works for a Catholic hospital system. And they're simply, especially over the summer when we were so overrun and we're still very dense up there with patients, the priest couldn't be all those places at once to you know give the sacrament of the sick so that's what they do right it just makes sense wow and and yet you know some some traditions are so you know they're long held and we're used to receiving care even spiritual care in a certain way that it can be you know sort of adds to that uh, emotional devastation, and I, oh, it might sound dramatic, but I really don't think it is. You know, I think there, there is an no. emotional dev- devastation component to to this experience for all of us, whether we have been sick or not. And certainly for those, you know, I've known people who have gotten sick, and just the isolation that happens and that that separation we at a time that, that is so scary. It is so scary because with this particular virus. It just seems like we don't. You just don't know. You can't predict which way it's going to go in in any given person. Exactly, exactly. And I I don't think you're being overly dramatic at all. Um, it's um, it's it's nothing I've ever known in my realm of my experience. And I like you know I often like to think my realm of experience from nursing and everything and just all my different roles in life, you know, um, is a helpful thing. But um, in this situation, I've had to explore other depths, other understandings of spirituality to stay strong. And when it's terrible, it's terrible. And being the terribleness, um, you know, um, you know, of course, you're not going to break down around people. Um, but I don't, I don't know how to explain it, Jack, Reverend Jackie, but when it's terrible, it's terrible and it's okay that it's terrible and it won't always be terrible is, is the way I think about it. Yeah. 
that's, you know, it's so important. You know, one thing I talk about a lot on this show is that, you know, being with, especially when we're talking about, you know, health and wholeness, being with what is true about the experience. This is, you know, what's true about this experience is it's terrible. It is scary. It is devastating. And and we can talk about that in in the truth of our human experience. And that doesn't take away from any power of our spiritual capacity. And it doesn't take away from what we know as capital T truth in, you know, in the, in the bigger picture. But if we don't address, you know, and recognize and acknowledge and validate that, I mean, that's what you are listening to, right? When you're listening to people, you are validating and, and hearing and recognizing, acknowledging the very human experience in it. And if, if, we as people don't get heard in that way and we aren't connected and listened to, then then it can be really difficult for us to sort of lift ourselves up, you know, spiritually. Yeah, I think that's probably the most important thing I do is listen and validate someone's experience. Um, and yeah, you're you're right. I mean it, it it's the human experience is part of the fullness of life. You know, I, there's there's a seen and the unseen, and they're not separate. So right. um, as long as we're interacting with the world and creation, we're part of it. And, you know, the scriptures tell us to uh, not be of this world, but they also tell us to be in the world. Um, and I think that's super, I, I think they're both super important and uh, to have a balanced approach is super important. Um, and yeah, that balance, I, I think, is different for everybody. But my balance happens to be being, uh, a large part of it is being in the hospital. Because um, at first they took all the chaplains out of the hospitals <laughs> and told us we could do it by phone. <laughs> A lot of that, the work we do is ministry of presence, so it was excruciating. (laughs) I never signed up to be a televangelist, evangelist, and about a month and a half, they had me um, on TV, so they uh, people could tune in from home, they could uh, be in the conference room, and I, I did it, but I can't. And it defies logic. It defies logic. But I was so glad to be back in the hospital when I got to go back. Sure. You know, and what sort of occurred to me is that, you know, there's that joke about, like, the the original Wi-Fi connection, you know, was (laughs) is is person to God, right? To, you know, is that spiritual experience to the infinite and that connection. And so I, I could see that, you know, oh, yeah, the chaplain's got to get out of here. They can do their work from anywhere. You know, it's not like the surgeon, you know, the surgeon needs to be in the, the same space as the patient. Um, but, you know, the chaplain, you can do your work from anywhere, right? It's prayer. But I I love what you're saying, that so much of that, though, is presence. It is about the physical presence. And not that that can't be um, connected. I've experienced it myself over the phone, right? Calling silent unity, you know, you can feel that presence and, and get into that connection and that field of consciousness. Um, and, you know, that's not when I'm, you know, connected to a breathing machine and isolated, you know, from my family and, 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 you know, terrified 
you know, that's that's when I'm able to pick up the phone and make a call and, and want to be in prayer space. And so, you know, there is so much to that presence. And also we want the prayer chaplains to be safe and, you know, to not become yeah. carriers and, and, and that kind of thing. So it's, you know, that balance of um, of safety and and also care. Yeah, absolutely. I and they they do go to great lengths to make sure I am safe. Obviously, they don't have me trapsing around under the tent as you put it <laughs> all the time. <laughs> uh, you know, and uh, I am provided with uh, PPP PPE. Everybody in the hospital wears masks. Um, you know, and they make sure I have my own space so I can take it off uh, once in a while, which is really lovely of them. Uh, yeah. but, you know, it, in, in the hospital, you know, I, I, no doubt about it. Those calls that Silent Unity does are profound and wonderful and beautiful and so helpful. In the hospital, it's a little different, you know, especially with staff. Um, what I found, they gave the the staff don't have the time to pick up the phone and call you or really talk to you very much. Right, so a lot right. that is being present on the floor, quickly validating their experience, listening briefly, and then they got to go do something else. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. All right. Well, I love that. You, be, you know, you become being able to just look into your eyes and and see that stillness and the peace that's there. They sort of like drink, it's drinking from the well, right? Drinking from the well of peace. And they get to receive that from you and then move about their day. And and that is such um, an important, critical, and sacred part of the work that, that you do and that all hospital care chaplains do is, is taking care of the care providers, you know, in that spiritual way. I love that we have come to a place in our society that that is recognized, that, that need is recognized. I you do know, too. But, it's really, really important. Um, and um, yeah, so it's it, it, there's, I, there's I, a time I, and space in, hmm? in sort of human evolution, human consciousness, and you know, in our indigenous cultures, the medicine person is often you know the same as the shaman, you know, the shaman or the priest or you know whatever the terminology is. But is the spiritual person it's one and the same and then in western medicine we slowly started to pull those two roles apart but but i think anyone who works in the field of medicine knows that it, in truth you don't pull that apart it it is the whole person and they are always working and they're always witnessing miracles and they are always working in um tandem and in congruence with with the divinity of each person and so to be able to to give space to have someone come in and also provide care for the for the for the providers as well as the patients in that way it just it, it brings full circle the validity of how important our spirituality is to our healing and wholeness i agree wholeheartedly um when i uh few years ago i used to help with the International Youth of Uni do, uh, being the lead on the wellness team. And uh, we had all sorts of people on the team, Eastern practitioners, Western practitioners, and things like that. And if, if, if a kiddo needed something like a Tylenol or energy healing, you know, often we would talk to mom and dad first. And what I noticed, I think this is so interesting, what I noticed is those who availed themselves 
of both kind of interventions, you know, the spiritual and and the medical uh, fared very, very well, did very, very well. We're back in action. That and a lot of water. <laughs> um, hydrate. 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 <laughs> you know, and water is almost spiritual in and of itself because we're made up of so much water. Um, that it's, it's so vital, but I, it was interesting just to observe those who, you know, I don't know, maybe had a headache, took a Tylenol and had some energy work done. They were off like a shot, you know, had they availed themselves of maybe just one or the other, they didn't seem to, I mean, I really wish I could have conducted a study, (laughs) you know, I just noticed this particular trend. So yeah, this, the spirituality aspect is, just interwoven into healing and wholeness and wellness. Um, well, yeah, you are seeing it anecdotally, and and studies have shown it, and your studies do validate it, and which is probably why you know it is so uh, supported, well supported in hospitals. You know, there, you know, we we tend to require that, so there's that kind of validation. Um, you know, speaking of of healing and and wholeness, I've been reading a little bit from How to Let God Help You by Myrtle Fillmore, and and sharing that on the air as. Of course, as I did the month of healing for August, and I, I think I want to bring a little bit from Chapter 21, the healthy channel, and because it kind of lines up with what we're talking about in terms of validating the human experience as well as, as the spiritual power that is present in each of us. So Merle writes, the power that created you is always at work to restore you and to maintain you in wholeness. Period. I mean, that sentence, the power that created you is always at work to restore you and to maintain you in wholeness. Like just working with that truth, mm-hmm. because there's, you know, there's a whole lot of experience that is outside what we want to call health and wholeness. You know, we want that to be perfection. That means I have no pain. I have no illness. I have no disease. I, I have no measurable suffering and I'm not overweight. And, you know, like we, we would put all of these little descriptors on what it means to be, you know, healthy and whole, you know, in the picture, you know, I could, could be on the commercial for, you know, fitness magazine or something. And, um, and it's just not typical it's just- of our human experience, right? If you just pick a, pick a, a, a point in time and probably most of us are not at that experience. No. There's always something that we're outside of, but like, so, so what this sent this statement, the power that created you is always at work to restore you and to maintain you in wholeness. And so it gives, that gives us the space to know that the truth of our wholeness is always perfection in, in, in divine mind. And which means that possibility is always there, but it's not that we have failed in some way as we've come out mm-hmm. of that experience, but knowing that God itself, the power who created me, who created you, who created all of us is at work, restoring us and maintaining us. And, and then like the next step of that is that that means our body has that divine wisdom that each cell contains that power that is always at work, restoring us and healing us. And, and we see that, you know, we call it medical miracles, or we call it just, you know, even something as simple as healing from a paper cut, 
you know, the, the body moves in and, and, and takes care of itself. And we let God be in the medicine, right? So it's, it's a partnership with community. It's, it's our own body intelligence. It's also spirit at work in each moment, restoring us to wholeness. It's the prayer chaplain coming in and, and listening to us. And, and that becomes a healing moment. And so I just want, like, want to give word and expression to the entire experience of what it means to be in health and wholeness. What do you think about that? I think there's a big difference between healing and a cure. And healing has an awful lot of ways that it manifests. Maybe it does manifest in a cure, but uh, maybe it doesn't. Um, And maybe, and that's okay. Right? Like, that's okay. Like, I'll say that. Well, it's okay. I mean, often, you know, we're always seeking health and wholeness. We go to all these crazy uh, practitioners. We go to doctors. We we eat greens. We do all these wild and woolly things. And in the process, we forget what animates us in the first place. You know, we get so busy doing all that stuff. Um, I'm not saying that's bad stuff. I think it's good stuff. I think we should take care of ourselves. But I've also seen healing in the moment of death. Yeah. Very much so. And, you know, healing that takes place in community. You know, I've had conversations on this show before, too, with people who live with, you know, chronic, a chronic experience of some kind of disorder or people who live with, you know, a, who are differently abled, you know, in their bodies. And so, are we to say that a blind person is perpetually out of a state of health and wholeness, you know, right. because it's not, it's not the physical perfection. And, you know, I, that, that's just not the case. There, there is most certainly a fullness of the expression of health, you know, in, in any person. And so if we, we got to let go of the labels that, you know, that we sort of use as, um, qualifiers for, for what it means. Yes. To, to we, uh, as a person who has served in a unity church in a wheelchair for an extended period of time, I can tell you that we have a long way to go to fully, uh, everybody was wonderful to me, but we're not set up in our churches. We're not set up at the village for a person to go wheeling themselves around and being able to reach stuff and get around and things like that. So I think we all have work to do with that. And I think we have work to do with that with our language. Um, but I see, I see it improving, you know, and I, it was interesting when I was in the wheelchair because it challenges our theology, right. To see somebody like that. So yeah. it was an interesting experience all around. Um, but yeah, yeah. I was very whole running around in that wheelchair. Not for a moment. Was <laughs> I, love, I, I love how you say running around in that wheelchair. <laughs> I know. That's what I felt like. <laughs> My arms were very strong. They they ran for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I can totally see that. And it's, yeah, it's, it's true. It does bump against our theology. And I think that, well, a better way to say that is it bumps against how, some of our theology has been interpreted and, and presented. I don't think the theology itself 
um, has done that. But I think, you know, we, we call it metaphysical yeah. malpractice. And it's when, you know, when someone is blamed for their condition, you know, which we can't know for each other what has mm. caused any bit of our experience. What we can do is be a vessel of compassion and love and, and knowing of the truth for each other. And Absolutely. I think that there just have been a lot of um, laziness in, in, in the past and even in the present. I've, I've witnessed it even, um, you know, in recent times. There's, there can be a certain laziness with, with what it means to work with affirmations and truth statements. And, and even the words of Charles and Myrtle Fillmore, our, our co-founders. So, like, that same chapter um, that I read from, Chapter 21, The Healthy Channel, starts with, there is no reason why the machinery in our body temples should wear out. Because the creator is still on the job, building up and renewing his temples to the extent that we permit. So right there, like that becomes a, a place that then can be sort of corrupted with, you know, well, you're just not allowing God to to restore your body. And um, I think that that's not really, if you continue to read, that's not what Myrtle's going after. And certainly not the invitation that, that she's bringing forward. You know, she's, she then goes into, you know, when we cooperate by thinking habitually in terms of eternal life, eternal youth, ever-increasing strength and perfect health, we are renewed moment by moment. So it doesn't say we are cured moment by moment. We are renewed moment by right. moment. And, you know, that renewal happens in hope and in faith and in love and in joy and, 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 um, being in whatever our experience is and letting, and that's not the source of our faith joy. That's not the measure of our faith, that our faith comes from that connection with the divine. And so I I always, you know, want to presence that because I certainly do not, you know, support um, physical malpractice and, you know, and and it's nuances. And, and I'll say that it's easy to, to do that to myself, you know, to sort of like put, you know, so I think it's important for us to just be open about the conversation. So I appreciate you bringing that um, to the table because um, it's easy to sort of go down that rabbit hole. And if we, you know, aren't doing it to other people, we we may be doing it to ourselves. Like I'm not working this affirmation. I, I, you know, I need to do this right thing because I don't have the outcome that I want, and that's something we talked about during the month of healing. Is it's not about the outcome, right? It's about the experience and yeah. uh, with God and of God in and through any circumstance. It's not if we don't attach it to any given outcome, like you said, that you know, healing, perfect healing, might be in physical death, and it's it's not about what the outcome is. It's about what happens in the soul and in the body of a person. And, and that's nobody else's business. You know, that's no other person's business. That's between, you know, each one of us and the divine. Exactly. I, I concur wholeheartedly. I agree. And I will say, I will say, I'm sorry, you know, for the experiences that you've had. And I know I've seen it around campus at Unity Village that, yes, we do have a lot of <laughs> and, <laughs> yes, I'm, I can look back and laugh at it now, which is great. But yeah, it, it, and, and lots of places. We, it's not just Uni Village. It, it, my church, oh, we yeah. had, they, they worked really hard to make sure we had everything in place. The hospital itself, where I was doing my internship, Lord love duck. The doors were so heavy, I couldn't get through them myself. So it's not just us. 
but yeah, we no, could all use a look in being more inclusive in, in that area and, and trying to open up, literally open up those doors a little bit more. Right. No, it is. It's, you know, and, I, and I've heard it said, too, it's, it's, we are all, um, what is it, like we are all disabled, just, it's a matter of yet. You know, and, and just, you know, in reference to as our bodies age, you know, our strength tends to decrease and we need some sort of physical support. And so, it, like, these issues should be important to all of us because it's how we create, you know, physical space that supports supports everybody. And, you know, and it, you know, I would say, you know, at least at Unity Village, you're, you're inclined to get help. You know, I remember being in, um, I had a, a bad knee injury and I had to drive one of those grocery carts around and, it, some people would help, but it was amazing that in a lot of cases, people would just sort of look the other way and they didn't want to have anything to do with it. And I thought, wow, you know, what it must feel like to, to be, to live like that. You know, to, that was just a period of time for me. I sort of had a, a dose of what it was like to, to experience that. Right. So yeah, you're, you're right. A lot of people were very, very helpful. Um, but, uh, yeah, some, it's, it's not, it's not a world that's cut out for these kinds of things yet, yet, yet. So I just uphold a time when it's different, you know, um, but there are lots of wonderfully helpful people out there. My church was fantastic. The hospital was fantastic. It's just those doors got to me. Well, speaking of doors, we're about to get the door closed on this show. That's the music. And Bertie, I just thank you so much for being willing to come on and share your experiences and, and blessings to you for the sacred work that you were doing and to um, all of those uh, providers and patients at the hospital you're at right now. We're just holding them in, in, in the utmost light. And so to all the listeners, tune in and tune up in spirit. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio the voice of an awakening world. Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.